Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we have the latest market update from Sasquheat. We also take a look at the war in Ukraine and impact on markets thanks to Sasquheat. There's no tr- the no transport order for poultry has been extended for another four weeks due to the avian flu outbreak in Saskatchewan. We have a feature interview with a rancher at Gladmar, that's south of Regina near the U.S. border, and his efforts to sell from the farm to the plate. We also have another report from the Hudson Bay Root Association annual meeting and a look at the Churchill Rail Line. The farm weather's in its usual spot. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. Saskatchewan's Chief Veterinary Officer has extended the Animal Health Control Area Order for another four weeks. Continued outbreaks of highly pathogenic avian flu in domestic poultry prompted the move to continue a ban on movement of birds in shows, auctions and farm fairs or any other event where birds are brought together from multiple locations. The avian flu is linked to wild birds, so the risk of disease spread will remain high through the rest of the fall migration season, which usually occurs until mid-November. Poultry producers and small flock owners are advised to follow all necessary biosecurity protocols to protect their flocks from the disease. The current health order limiting the transport and commingling of poultry has been extended to November 17th. The latest SAS wheat outlook anticipates rising wheat prices this winter. Market analyst Marlena Borsch says world wheat exporter stocks are expected to decline to their lowest level since 2013. The U.S. will hold the largest volume among exporters, but its stocks will decline to its lowest level since 2008. She adds demand is expected to remain relatively good, but there is concern about weaker currencies and a potential global recession affecting demand. She says Minneapolis spring wheat prices fell almost 14 cents a bushel last week. In terms of cash markets, last week there was a little bit of action. Algeria bought 400,000 tons of Russian wheat, but this was at levels lower than the EU offered and much lower than North American prices. The Philippines reportedly bought three cargoes of Jan through March 23 feet wheat, and we think they purchased Australian wheat. Iraq bought nothing at a recent tender and cancelled it. Turkey announced another 495,000 ton wheat tender last Friday with intended shipment or ex-store dates of November 122 and November 21 to D13 2022. 
U.S. weekly wheat sales were at the low end of expectations at 212,000 tons. There were 136,000 tons worth of exports to China. To continue, here are some of last week's major news by major wheat origin, starting with Canada. The spring wheat harvest is essentially done, with just roughly 7% more to harvest in Manitoba. The quality of the crop remaining to be harvested in Manitoba might be impacted by the recent rain and snow. The USA put U.S. spring wheat production at 446 million bushel, down 17 million from the last month's report. Combined U.S. spring wheat production and Canadian spring wheat production is estimated at 37.7 million tons, which would be up 58% from last year's drought-reduced crop, but it's still lower than the production of the preceding three years. Have a look at the tables in the report. Canadian wheat exports for week 10 were quite good at 594,000 tonnes. Year-to-date exports are actually ahead of last year's pace by 25%. Canadian Durham production should come in at around 6.1 million tonnes, about double last year's Canadian Durham production. This is based on StatScan numbers. In the United States, the USDA last week raised beginning stocks by 2 million bushel for Durham, but decreased Durham production by 10 million bushel to 64 million bushel. Ending stocks were raised by 2 million bushel, which is 8 million bushel more than last year, but well below average. Combined US and Canadian Durham production should add to around 7.9 million tons, 93% more than the year before. Again, have a look at the tables in the report. Durham prices in Italy rose by 5 euros to 480 euros per ton. Italy's price backs off to roughly 12.50 per bushel at the elevator in Saskatchewan. Weekly Durham exports were 49,000 tons for a season total of 430,000 tons. Visible supplies of Durham have grown to just under 900,000 tons. If you're not well sold Durham, we would increase to 50% at around the $13 per bushel level. Borsch says the Russian invasion of Ukraine also continues to be a major factor in wheat markets. In the European Union, Matif soared by 17 euros per ton due to the Russian war escalation and on doubts over the extension of the export corridor. But it gave most gains back when Algeria bought half a million tons of Russian wheat at values significantly below European Union prices. Russia has turned drier, but a portion of winter wheat acres have likely been irrevocably lost for this fall. Ukrainian plantings are more than 60% down from last year and have only been completed in about 45% of the expected total. Ukraine winter wheat acres are seen falling by up to 50 to 70% this year. The Russian export tax rises by another $16 per ton this week. 
and the USDA's unchanged Russian crop estimate of 91 million tons caused much debate and is considered significantly too low, with some estimates above 100 million tons, up to 103 million tons. Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting compiles the weekly wheat market report for the Sasquheat web. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CARM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch Eavesdrops. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesdrops.ca And your Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. Over the last several years, we've seen more cow-calf producers try their hand at direct-to-consumer marketing. Mark Heimer and his wife Laura own Box Age Farm near Gladmar, straight south of Regina near the U.S. border. Box Age Farm has 250 head of breeding stock plus replacements. There's about 5,000 acres of tame grass and native prairie with a heavy emphasis on rotational grazing. Reporter Neil Billinger spoke to Mark Heimer about selling his grass-fed beef. We do still sell the majority of our calves through the stockyards. We just don't have the market for, for that many animals quite yet. So most of our steers will go through the, the stockyard and then we... Uh, what we do for our, our direct marketed ones is we uh, we pull the animals that don't breed so that, that kind of fall out of our breeding program and uh, we move them into our, our grass finished products. So we treat them almost identically, whether they're going to be a part of the herd for 10 years or whether they're going to be going into somebody's deep freeze, they, they kind of get the same treatment. Who are your customers? Uh, is it commercial or uh, individual or a combination of both? It's a combination of both. We started primarily direct marketing to consumers, so that's probably the lion's share of our beef will go that direction, but since then I've also uh, had some good relationships and, and now started marketing to some, some grocery stores that want to carry some uh, grass-fed products, and uh, as well as we also uh, market to a few restaurants that are interested in grass-fed and also just in, in, a, in a local product. Yeah. How do you set the price? Does that change on a weekly basis or do you monitor the markets or, or do you just sort of say, you know, this is the price and uh, we go from there in the, in the spring? We kind of decided that part of the, the benefit of, of going this direct route is to be able to step away from the, the commodity system. So we know what it costs us to raise this animal. We know what we need to get out of it to, to maintain a, a profit and uh, to raise them in a way that we're happy with, where they're treated well and, and we get compensated for it. So that's how we set the prices that way. And then we just do our very best to make sure that every time that we're doing anything where we add value or that any of the costs that we incur to get the beef to the consumer, that we, we add that on and... Uh, it tends to be reasonably comparable to a kind of a higher end or a, a premium beef product that they'd see in the, in the grocery stores, but uh, it's not something that we were prepared for when we got started in this. It's Pricing meat is, is complicated. That's probably the thing that bothers the cow-calf producer the most is going into a, a grocery store and seeing the price per pound charge there and then you know, looking at their receipts from the sale and, and what they get. Has that led to more people doing what you're doing, the direct marketing? And how have we seen those numbers increase? And are we going to reach a point where that kind of saturates that available market? I do think that's that's probably where a lot of people get started. Um, 
we actually kind of got started down this road just because we had been rotationally grazing and we spent a lot of time and focused on the management of the land and trying to trying to really fine-tune a real healthy ranch, a real healthy ecosystem as far as our farm went, and uh, and doing a good job of raising the cattle to the best of our ability as far as, as husbandry. And it was frustrating just having our end product dumped into the market with everyone else, many of which do fantastic jobs as well, but some producers don't, and uh, it's, it's not something that uh, the end consumer can differentiate between. They just get beef at the end of the day so that's that's kind of what led us down that path but there is definitely a uh, a disconnect between what producers are paid for and what consumers are having to pay and i i don't know i'm hopeful that there is no ability for the market to be saturated that local producers can kind of fine-tune their skills as far as as raising these animals and that we can produce such a high-quality off-farm product that it becomes the norm to do it that way. That might be a little idealistic. Is the choke point, though, I I guess uh, the amount of uh, space in those regional abattoirs? Because you you hear stories that people have to book uh, like a year in advance to get an appointment. Yes, that is definitely a fair point. We're fortunate to be near uh, um, smaller by processor standards, but larger compared to some of the smaller abattoirs so we've got a kind of an unfair advantage there but that is definitely processing is is uh is is definitely a choke point when it comes to comes to that sort of thing mark heimer and his wife laura own box age farm near gladmer straight south of regina near the u.s time now for real agriculture with sean haney brought to you in part by karst holdings in assiniboia and schlamps integra tire in grenfell your locally owned integra tire dealers on the source 620 ckrm this is your realagriculture.com update Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Joining me now is Jeremy Boychin. He's the Agronomy Research Extension Specialist for the Alberta Wheat and Barley Commissions. Okay, so let's get into it. Fall is a really great time to scout for a couple things. Uh, we did talk wheat stem softly and how... Okay, so what are we looking for in the fall? What could we be sampling for with wheat stem softly? Yeah, you know, wheat stem softly, Lindsay, continues to grow as a concern in the southern parts of Western Canada, Southern Saskatchewan and Southern Alberta, the populations are going up. Um, And that beneficial that helps control um, wheat stem sawfly really benefits from, uh, you know, as much as we don't like it, a a wetter, longer fall um, because then it's able to put out its second population and help control wheat stem sawfly a little bit better. But we haven't been seeing those conditions. We've been getting earlier harvest. Um, so it's, it's mitigating the benefit we can get from a beneficial, um, a little bit of control there. So we're seeing the populations go up. Um, and last year and this year, I've seen a lot of lodging occurring. Um, you know, it looked like it was going to be okay this year. And then we got some wind at the end of the season, just as, as harvest was really starting to kick in in the southern part of the province. And, oh, boy, did you notice some of those those stems going down and 
Um, sometimes it, it doesn't always work to get out and start counting the percentage of, of stems on the ground. So the capacity and the ability to do that post-harvest is going to be important. Um, and wheat stem soft lay is, is interesting in that, you know, it'll, it'll, it lays its eggs, uh, and then that larvae goes to the bottom of the stem, um, and then closer to the end of the season, it'll go up above the soil surface, and it'll cut that little notch that'll cause that lodging, but it'll also plug the stem below that notch. So the, the stem will lodge over, um, but that the, what's left of the stem that's still in the ground will have a plug on the end. So if you want to get a better idea of what your percentage of cutting is, you can go through and actually take a look post-harvest and you can see which stems are cut because of your harvest machinery, your car- your combine, and what you're actually cut because of the wheat stem soft fly. So you look and see, is that stem plugged at the top where it's, it's cut off? And if it is plugged, then that's likely infected with a wheat stem soft fly. So you can take your knife and cut it open and, and be sure. Um, but that, that's, that's how you're going to differentiate between infected and non-infected. And then you can get an idea of whether you're in that 10 to 15% range of infection and whether you need to change to a different variety uh, to mitigate wheat stem soft fly infection and reduce your lodging. And, and if you're in the CWRS category, unfortunately, there's not a huge amount of options um, to choose from, you know, um, Landmark is one uh, that we've seen decent results with. Uh, Hughes and Adamant are also semi-solid. Um, unsure exactly how those how those land in terms of comparison to Landmark, um, but with with Durham, there's there's a few more options to work with if you can go in that direction. If you're uh, in that part of the province or you have that kind of those kind of growing conditions where Durham would work for you, so it's a great opportunity to look for that. Um, you know, if, if you are using stripper headers, you can also use the opportunity to see what kind of um, beneficial uh, population you have. Um, a little bit trickier because you have to pull apart that whole stem to take a look, um, but never a bad idea to poke through and see whether you have infection of, or um, uh, your, your beneficials in there as well. Right, and they, they are usually above the pest, right? They're a little higher in the stem? Yeah, on average, I think you're in that 15 centimeters high range. But, you know, I was out in the field with um, Scott Mears this past fall or, or at the end of harvest, and I think we found one closer to the 40 centimeter mark oh. of, of how high it was in the stem. So it can vary quite significantly, but I think on average, typically you're seeing that at that 15 centimeter height, which is okay. why, you know, we typically see better populations with um, with a stripper header because you're, you're, there's less opportunity for you to take away some of that habitat that, that the mm-hmm. beneficial likes to live in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Jeremy, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Lindsay. I appreciate it. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agro weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Partly cloudy today, wind northwest 20, gusting to 40. The high forecast, 19 degrees, the low plus 2. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, wind northwest 30, gusting to 50, and a high of 16 for Thursday, the low plus 2. 
Partly cloudy Friday, the high 10, the low minus 4. Saturday, there's supposed to be rain with a high of 6, the low plus 1. Sunday, cloudy, the high 9 degrees, 30% chance of evening rain showers or flurries on Sunday, and a low of minus 2. Monday, partly cloudy, the high 6, the low minus 2. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high plus 5. Normal high is 9 for this date, the normal low is minus 4. Sun rose at 727 this morning, it sets at 6 o'clock exactly tonight. And currently around the province, we have Estevan at 17, Saskatoon and Swift Current and Weyburn all 16. Yorkton is 15. The hot spot right now in the province, Cypress Hills in the southwest corner at 21. The cold spot up north, Stony Rapids at 3 degrees. Regina is sunny and 16. That's 60 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north, northwest at 12. Humidity is 39%. The barometric pressure dropping 102.3. Partly cloudy in Moose Jaw, 17 degrees. Winds are from the west at 18. Once again, Regina, sunny in 16. That's 60 Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director, Tim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, mcdougalauctions.com. And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. Promoters of the Manitoba Port of Churchill have been told more research is needed into the rail bed's northern permafrost. The main area for supplying grain for the Port of Churchill is northeast Saskatchewan. The general manager for the Hudson Bay Railway, Brett Young, told members of the Hudson Bay Route Association this week that permafrost research needs more updating. It's a changing condition across the HBR, so it goes from sporadic permafrost to discontinuous permafrost to continuous permafrost all within the HBR. Um, and the, the challenge that we have is that permafrost is changing, so as, as global temperatures increase, that permafrost melts, or pardon me, doesn't melt, it, it thaws um, and gives us uh, changes to, um, to the track. It was basically just skeleton track over top of, uh, over top of permafrost across the Well, it was 100 years ago, wasn't it? And it was 100 years ago, absolutely yeah. so. Yep. And uh, what's interesting is it, the way they did it actually didn't disrupt the permafrost at the time. So was there maybe better ways to do it? Yes. But was that the worst way to do it? Probably not the worst way to do it either. During the rebuild, special machinery literally undercuts the rail bed. Yeah, so undercutting and then surfacing with proper ballast rock. So over over the years, um, a lot of the surfacing has been done with uh, a pit run, like gravelly sand. That is not a good ballast rock at all. That doesn't drain water properly. That It retains moisture, and then that freezes like a brick. And then you can't do any track maintenance, and it, it gives you um, higher levels of decay in your ties, and it's just not a good situation. So what we've been doing is is cutting out some of that, that pit run and putting in a, a high-quality crushed rock. Um, which is essential for, for good surface. These days, special fabric known as GeoCell anchors the rail bed. 
So it was a double layer geocell and there's also uh, a geotechnical fabric in there as well. And so that surface stabilization technique is what that is. Um, and we're monitoring the performance of that now. I think so far it's been performing very well. So mm -hmm. the challenge is that you, it would be very difficult to put geocell across the whole Herkimer subdivision, across those, those transitioning zones of permafrost. We also ran some ground penetrating radar last December to understand what's happening with the permafrost and, and our, our basically what, what's going on with the layers of, of soil under the subgrade. So um, we'll be targeting our bad areas. And The Hudson Bay Root Association Annual Meeting Conference ended this week with businessman Jim Bereshide of the Paw taking over as president from outgoing president Eldon Boone, a farmer from Verdon, Manitoba. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com The Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture is warning the public and landowners to be aware of the dangers of open, abandoned water wells. Chelsea Siemens is the Agri-Environmental Specialist with the Ministry of Agriculture in Kindersley. Abandoned or unused water wells are very common across Saskatchewan and can be found in yard sites, fields, towns and villages. Abandoned large diameter or board wells are a safety hazard for people, pets, livestock, vehicles and farm equipment. They can cause injury or damage and are a liability issue for landowners. However, we don't often consider the environmental impacts. Large and small diameter wells provide a direct pathway to aquifers, so they are a potential source of groundwater contamination, especially when they're no longer being used and maintained. Often, the terms abandoned and decommissioned are used interchangeably, but they don't have the same meaning. Abandoned wells are no longer used, while decommissioned wells have been properly sealed to prevent the vertical movement of water which protects the aquifer. Saskatchewan's Water Security Agency provides general guidelines for decommissioning large and small diameter wells. First, the pump, wiring, and any associated equipment should be removed. Large diameter, or bored wells, are disinfected with chlorine, then sealed with carefully placed layers of impermeable material, such as bentonite chips or pellets, and backfilled with clean gravel or sand. Small diameter drilled wells are filled with an impermeable grout, which must be done by a qualified contractor. For both types of wells, the top 10 feet of casing is removed and the surface is sealed and leveled. It's important to recognize that each well is unique and the steps to decommissioning will depend on a number of factors, including the location, depth, diameter, age and construction of the well. For more information on water well decommissioning, please contact your local regional services office or call the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at 1-866-457-2377. Coming up, the The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. 
Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra prices for feed barley gained $15 at $367.87. Canola fell $390 at $845.52. One red spring wheat rose $0.15 cents at $423.87. The rest were unchanged. Durham, $482.33. Chickpeas, $925.95. Flax, $752.98. Lentils, $758.50. Oats, 255.32. Yellow peas, 459.89. And feed wheat, 289.56. At Minneapolis, December spring wheat went down three and a quarter cents at 9.52 and three quarter cents. RM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock at 842-4574. Now, the latest quotes. October 18th. We had our regular sale last Wednesday. The market on cows and bull was steady. D1 and D2 cows sold from $1 to $1.15. D3 cows sold from $0.85 cents to $0.99. Cents. Canner cows were $0.50 cents to $0.80. Cents. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.35 to $1.49. We had a pre-sorted Angus sale here on Monday. 300 to 400 pound steers averaged $3.23 and sold at the $3.38. 400 to 450-pound steers averaged $2.91 and sold at the $3.09. 450 to 500-pound steers averaged $2.72 and sold at the $3.09. 500 to 550-pound steers averaged $2.64 and sold at the $2.79. 550 to 600-pound steers averaged $2.54 and sold up to $2.64. 600 to 650-pound steers averaged $2.53 and sold up to $2.63. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged $2.48 and sold up to $2.58. And 700 to 800 pound steers averaged $2.32 and sold up to $2.54. Heifers were about 40 to 45 cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a load of 430 pound black steers at $3.09 a pound, two loads of 500 pound black steers at $2.79 a pound. Two loads of 550 pound black steers at $2.64 a pound. Two loads of 600 pound black steers at $2.62 a pound. A load of 650 pound black steers at $2.58 a pound. And a load of 700 pound black steers at $2.53 a pound. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. The market that gets the cattle and the prices too. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices, today's quotes, two twenty nine seventy nine per CKG. Coming up... Th- this is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's to Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. And brought to you by Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. The federal government is providing $14 million to the Canadian Food Grains Bank to help respond to the global hunger crisis. Food Grains Bank Executive Director Andy Harrington says the funding will help provide access to emergency food services for over 100,000 people in Ethiopia, South Sudan, Kenya and Somalia. He says there's been a startling rise in global world hunger this year, particularly across the Horn of Africa. Communities in the region are facing the threat of starvation following four consecutive failed rainy seasons in parts of Ethiopia, Kenya and Somalia, a climatic event not seen in at least 40 years. 
At least 22 million people are facing high levels of acute food insecurity, and the number is rising. The $14 million federal grant will help implement projects through 11 organizations in four countries. On the markets, the TSX is down 213 points to 18,585. The Dow has declined 289 points to 30,234. Oil is up $1.52 at 8359 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 72.40 cents US. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good... You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything A. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.